1: You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward, part of the Missed Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. This show today is in place of the planned news panel show that we were going to record tonight. Uh, But the panel will be back on Sunday for the Austrian Grand Prix Review. And the following Tuesday, we're going to do a triple header roundup show. But first, I'll just remind you that we are an independent US iTunes sports category top 50 podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. The reason we had to bin off our new show uh, for tonight was because if you get a chance to speak to one of the most respected journalists in Formula One, and they are available to speak to you from the ground in Austria, you take it. How is it going, Mr Joe Saywood?
2: I think you should add also that with a good internet connection, because this is one of the problems I have in my life, travelling around.
1: Yes, we are going to find a solution for your your low internet chateau. The thing is, you've got your own private grounds in the middle of the secluded French, I don't know, mountains. I don't know, France. Uh, but the internet's been a bit spotty from there. But we think we've got a solution.
2: Yes, well, the, the, the flat bit of France in which I live.
1: Oh, OK. Um, so the opposite.
2: Well, it's sort of vaguely flat. It's not, it's not um, one nor the other, really. But it doesn't matter. I'm in Austria where there's lots of mountains and they don't seem to have any effect at all on the internet
1: connection. Excellent. Can you just give us a, a picture of, of what it's like there? Because the, from the pictures we see, it looks like there's a racetrack that has then had mountains put in around it. It seems like a very strange, secluded, idyllic spot of of like a motorsport oasis.
2: Um, no, no, not really. It's just been very well designed about seven... Uh, when was it designed? In the, in the late 60s. So, duh, do whatever that is, um, 50 odd years ago. Uh, and there's a flat valley in between the mountains and uh, on the sides of the of the valley there's enough sort of rising space to fit in the racetrack so originally the first racetrack in austria was on a, an airfield in the, in the middle of the valley which is still there you can see the old airfield from the circuit and they raced around there for an austrian grand prix of 1964 and all the bits fell off all the cars because the concrete was concrete and it was a bit <laughs> bouncy and so uh, Lorenzo Bandini won the race because all the major players all broke down. And so they decided we can't use that anymore. We'll build a special one. And so they built a special one up on the hillside. And it's wonderful, wonderful racetrack. It's one of my favourites. Um, it's a bit different from originally, but it is, it's is—it's still great. Um, it's a lovely region. The only problem is the accommodation. You tend to stay in little guest houses um, Because or you have to drive. I was driving forty-five minutes every morning and every evening last week to get to the racetrack, Um, and mainly because the Dutch have all turned up, but (laughs) they weren't allowed in last week. So uh, I don't know what happened with that, but they are going to be allowed in this week because the rules of lockdown or restrictions in Austria are changing on July the first.
1: Ah, well, it's not like they've got any football to watch anymore, is it, Joe? So
2: I wouldn't know. I I, 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 actually I I did hear (laughs) a cheer in the middle of Sunday night. (laughs) And I guess, oh, Austria must be playing football, and they must have scored a goal because I can't think why else would be cheering in the middle of Sunday night. Uh,
1: but lots for obviously the the Dutch fans to cheer for. Four Red Bull wins in a row, three out of four for for Max Verstappen. They must be particularly buoyant on the on the stands when you can see them.
2: Well, if you want to try an experiment, try to book a hotel room anywhere near Zandvoort <laughs> or a spa for the upcoming. Belgian and Dutch Grand Prix. And you will you will find yourself in a state of shock afterwards when you see the prices being asked. So yes, it's they're all completely mad, but they've always been completely mad anyway. So um, the Orange Army will be out in regiments marching through the dunes and heading off to wherever Max is due to race
1: next. Ah, well, fair enough. Well, we've got an army of listener questions, Joe. So I was thinking I might kind of hand it over to them because when I said Uncle Joe's popping into the shed they flooded us with the questions they wanted to have answered by you uh mark greenhow says uh is joe bringing any updates to his 2021 season or is he focusing all his efforts on 2022
2: 2022? uh is nearly done now actually so you know what can i say um there's only a couple of things to be sorted out which is um who's going to drive for williams who's going to drive for Alfa romeo and when Sergio Perez is going to be signed for um, Red Bull. Excellent. Beyond that, I I think it's all done. Now, I know that might lead to some people saying, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, you haven't mentioned Mercedes-Benz. I sort of have.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay, hang on a minute. Right, let's let's make this the silly season part of the show then, because we've got lots of silly season questions. Obviously, Mark's question was very silly indeed. So that was going to be my first question, was is Perez's seat safe? from everything yes. i've heard yeah it's agreed in principle they're just working out the contracts so yes. well yeah. after
2: you've won a race it's quite hard to fire you
1: yeah he's done enough you think he's done enough to show the team at least internally that he's going to do the job they want
2: he's yeah he's doing the job they want whether or not you know he was he, his timing was great he won that race last year in uh, bahrain at exactly the right moment whether or not um Alex Albon would be doing the same job this year is another question, but it doesn't matter because he's not. Um, at the end of the day, Sergio's in the seat and Sergio's going to keep it. So uh, it's just a matter, I think, of time. I did I did ask Christian Horner last weekend if,
1: if he'd signed him already, and he said it's a bit early. So what, do you think there would be... I don't think there would be much of a negotiation there. Surely Perez would just take any contract that's offered. This is not like a big Lewis Hamilton, I, I need to have my own sneakers deal type affair.
2: No, I think that I think uh, that uh, Sergio's got enough little deals of his own, probably, to not worry too much about money. He's made, he's made a fair amount of money over time, so I don't think he needs to worry about it for the rest of his days. So I'm sure there's an ego involved somewhere. But if Christian sort of says, "Look, shut up and take the drive," <laughs> um, he's going to go. He's not going to go. No, I'm not, and stand his feet and walk out, is he? So
0: yeah.
1: And and it's a clear. Do you reckon it's a clear number two contract?
2: I don't think there is such a thing. A you know, number two contract is only for a driver who's insecure. And there's one thing that Max Verstappen is not, he's insecure. So um, I would think it's probably a quite normal contract uh, in Formula One terms, which is uh, may the fastest man win. And I hope it is. You know, the fact is that Max is the fastest man. So
1: he doesn't have to worry. He doesn't have to worry exactly. yet. He doesn't have to worry yet. But I tell you what, that could. That could end up being like one of the great partnerships in, in history. I know I'm optimistic.
2: What about Sergio Perez? There's a Mercedes-Benz deal as well. You know? Hang
1: on a minute, right? I just, because <laughs> about two years ago on this show, Joe, I was saying to you, Perez would be great for a seat, a top seat in, in F1 and I'm a big fan. And you, were, you said, you literally went, why? Like that, when I said I was a fan of Perez.
2: Well, there's nothing wrong with being a fan of Perez, but he's had his chance with big teams and he blew it. Back with McLaren, so you know he now he's been fortunate enough to have the chance again, and we know we know how good Perez is. We know he's he's you know of that kind of level, but not necessarily a Max or a Lewis. So you know, usually when they've had one chance, they don't get another. But he's had his, he's had another chance, and good for him. Excellent. So your mad, your mad passions for Sergio <laughs> Perez. You know, sometimes they're just a little over the top. I think. All right. Um, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. Happy to admit he's a he's a very fine driver.
1: Two race wins. A very good. So far. he's not
2: a very good qualifier.
1: No, he's not. And um, never he, has been. No, he never has been. And we sit and give him quite a bit of stick on a Saturday because you go, "Ah, oh, look, he's behind Lando Norris again." For example, this week, is that the kind of thing you think Red Bull can do anything about, or is that just something inherent? About how he goes about a race weekend. Uh,
2: you can try to improve your qualifying, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you haven't managed to do it over the ten years or whatever it is that he's been in Formula One now. <laughs> yeah, I doubt he's going to find the key to the lock anytime soon. So um, it just means he has to race, and sometimes it makes him look better because in races he overtakes more people because he's starting behind where he should be starting. But you know, ultimately, uh, it's a it's a weakness.
1: Yeah, I know. I completely agree. I I completely agree. Um, You wanted to talk about some Mercedes contracts. Well, we have questions about that. Steve Jobbing on Twitter says, are there any outside politics that could affect the decision to keep or release Bartas from his seat? Uh, No. No? It's purely about driving? Yep. Okay. Well, the driving doesn't seem to be going so well from my point of view this season. Well spotted. Right. Okay, good. So you're not going to disagree with that. This is, I mean... I'm I'm basically saying
2: that I don't see Valtteri Bottas driving for Mercedes next year, but everybody else is officially saying on the record in press conferences, it's not decided yet, okay? So it's quite hard for people to say it's decided because there's no evidence to back it up. Um, But as far as I'm concerned, uh, that's what's going to happen. It makes no sense now um, because what they don't know what they really don't know is when Lewis Hamilton is going to retire. And what mm-hmm. they don't want is to be left in a situation where they don't have a team leader trained up and ready to go. So it's utterly logical to put George in there, put him up against Lewis for a couple of years to learn the ropes, and beat him occasionally, put him under a bit of pressure, keep him keep him honest, um, and, and then step into his shoes when when lewis retires
1: didn't you hear that one race in, in bahrain last year proves that george would definitely beat lewis hamilton so friction. it doesn't
2: prove anything it just proves that, that i in fact i i talked to george about this last weekend, ah. and george said that he could have done a much better job than he did in bahrain because it's really hard to be thrown into a top car and 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 get the best out of the first weekend and i said no did it flatter you um and he didn't really answer that question because, I, you know, the fact is uh, I think Bottas might have won that race ultimately um, because he's integrated into the team. But the fact was he didn't. That's his life. Things went wrong for him, went wrong for George as well. As a result of them going, oh, it was just a mess, really. The yeah. team really made a mess of it. But if it had been a straight fight, would George have beaten Valtteri? I don't know. But the fact he was even in the game for me was very significant.
1: Yeah no absolutely no one's denying he did he did very well uh, but but Stefan's question here speaks to the perceptions that people have about Lewis's status in Mercedes. Stefan says can Lewis Hamilton veto George Russell for the second seat in Mercedes? Does no. he have that kind of power? No.
2: No he doesn't. But uh, he said in a press conference last weekend here that he thought that Valtteri was a good teammate. In other words, he wants somebody who you know he, he can't say to them I don't want George, he can say to them, I think Valtteri is doing a good job because Valtteri is not beating me, you know. So in actual fact, if I were Mercedes, I'd look at it and say, Lewis, you're lovely. We think you're fab, but we actually want to put you under some pressure a bit more. It'll do you good. Um, And Lewis is inevitably going to say something else. So, you know, I think, I I just think that they'll, they'll make their announcement when they're ready to make their announcement. Um, Whether they've made the decision or not is another question.
1: It's a curious stage of Hamilton's career. I've no doubt if this was five years ago, he would absolutely have said, of course, just bring George Russell in, I'll beat anyone. Now, I'm not saying he's significantly fading in powers, but he is getting to the back end of his career. If I was Lewis Hamilton, I might be tempted to go, yeah, do you know what, though? I'm a veteran seven-time champ now. I think I've earned the right to go... Don't give me George just yeah, Let me have my year, and then I'll go and I'll pave the way for no, George. No, but
2: I can also understand if if he says that to Toto, Wolf, Toto will Wolf go, Well, Unlucky. okay. You want that? I want a three year contract.
1: <laughs> yeah, in which case, yeah, then he's got to think about his like life now, hasn't he? At yeah, this point. he's
2: you know, and now he's a, now he's a social media icon and, and political activist or whatever, and knighted and all these other things with fashion. Fashion. I'm not quite sure what word to use for that, but fashionista. Well, I wouldn't say he's a fashionista, because he's not a fashionista, because that was a girl, isn't it? Oh, is it? I don't know. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, he wears green boots and stuff like that, and I presume someone pays him to wear green (laughs) boots, um, because he wouldn't do it from choice. Um, So, you know, he's got all these different things he's going to do with his life when he finishes F1, Um, and I don't think he necessarily wants to nail himself in for a next length of time
1: in January he will be 37 years old and for an elite athlete that is definitely the that's when you start to feel that's when generally elite elite athletes start to feel the physicality perhaps a mental edge and that's just that's biology that's nothing against Lewis Hamilton
2: really you should tell that Fernando Alonso because he thinks he's going to go on until he's 43
1: well he can't go on until he's 43 in Alpine according to where's my where's my my questioner Oh, here we are. It's for, according to Isaac, because he wants to know what Joe thinks about the Ocon contract and what it means for Alpine. I'd be curious to see what he thinks about these longer contracts in general. But Isaac's point proves Alonso's he's, he's got to be on his way out if Ocon's there for four years.
2: No. Alonso said he's happy to stay alongside Esteban for the next three years. Yeah. <coughs> and that's fine. Um, I think that Ocon's contract says more about... Mercedes than it says about Alpine. Because okay. remember, Esteban, there's an underlying Mercedes contract there. Now signing a three-year deal with Alpine means that all hopes of a Mercedes deal are gone. Now, in the real world of Formula One, um, if you've got two drivers whose contracts are up this year, you'd think Esteban would wait around a little bit, wouldn't you? Just in case.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Now, why didn't he, you ask? And the answer is because he's worried that one of those two drivers at Mercedes is going to go onto the market. And if they come onto the market, the obvious place for them to go would be his driver, Alpine. And so he wanted to make sure he got that (laughs) one squared away because Valtteri Bottas will appear on the market at some point. and And don't forget also that Valtteri Bottas nearly signed for Renault a year ago. So if I were... Esteban Ocon and I was looking at the market I would do exactly what he's done which is make sure he doesn't lose it because he lost his drive mm. waiting around and Ricardo suddenly appeared on the scene and he had to spend a year out so Ocon is is attuned to such matters so I think that says that tells you a lot about what Mercedes is going to do not about what Alpine is going to do
1: that is smart I had not squared that circle Joe but that's why that's why you're here what can I say? You've earned your biscuits. Uh, so <laughs> the, the chat room here. Oh, by the way, we are going to uh, a live chat room. Sorry, I've missed exactly who's brought this up, but that is the curious question now, which is where does Bottas go? It was here, there. Go. It was Max Attack six six six. I wonder who you support. Uh, so where does Bottas go? Williams, surely.
2: Well, I was talking to a man called FX de Maison, who is the technical director of Williams the other Ooh. day. And I say, what are you looking for in your driver next year? As you do. Sauna tolerance. He said, I want an experienced World Championship race winning level driver who will help the team to move forwards in its quest to return to greatness. And I said, you've just described Valtteri Bottas. (laughs) And he smiled at me. And that was about it. So I would say that the chances are that Valtteri Bottas will end up at Williams. Because he's the obvious choice. He's been there before. He knows the game. And the other thing is that it's a team where you can do stuff and it will make you look good. Because Williams has a Mercedes engine Mm -hmm. and next year we'll have a Mercedes rear end. Um, And basically they're doing an appalling job and have done for the last five years with a Mercedes engine. I mean, they haven't been good since those races at the beginning.
1: 2014, Um,
2: Well, 2014, there was a little bit of a flutter later on with a Mercedes engine when they looked half-decent and they faded away again. So uh, if you think of it in the overall scheme of things, uh, Williams is on an upward path. And the next year with a new chassis, um, they'll, they should look better. They should be in the mix proper. And then the year after that, they might even be up battling with McLaren, which is where they should be. You know, If you think about it, they should be battling with McLaren and Aston Martin, because they're all using the same basic packaging.
1: If they want to go up there with McLaren, as you say, shouldn't Mm. they have two drivers instead of one?
2: Yes, they should. And I think you may find they'll get two drivers instead of one. Okay. Because if I were were Mercedes-Benz, I would look at the situation again. So you've got Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, let's just say. In the 2022. So what happens when Lewis retires? Mm-hmm. Which is I going like. to happen at some point in the not too distant future. You need another one, don't you? So who's that going to be? Their newest, their nearest young driver is a guy called Frederick Vesti, who's in Formula Three, and frankly, this year has not done a very good job so far. Oh. Beyond that, um there's a really. I think the next one's in Formula Four, even karting. So they need another driver. So. I would suggest, being a gambling man, <laughs> that if you're Dutch, you would scream the words Nick de Vries at them.
0: That and is Nick, what the chatroom is Nick room de Vries, said, yeah. Who
2: is the reserve, the reserve and test driver for Mercedes Benz, who does a lot of work on the simulator? Little known fact: who is a Formula Two champion, a double kart world champion, bit of a decent peddler. Um, had high low, high and low moments in his racing career, but now represents Mercedes-Benz in Formula E, I would suggest that it might be useful for them to put him in and train him up at Formula 1 level so that he can step in when Lewis goes.
1: Now then, there's a a couple of interesting points from that because it would be the first time we've had a driver go from Formula E to a Formula 1 seat, and I think that's not, not
2: true. Isn't it? Nope. You're going to say he? Albon.
1: He didn't drive though. He didn't. He didn't drive. Uh, he
2: he was testing it though. <laughs> okay. He, okay. He jumped from a Formula E team to a Formula One team. Yes.
1: The, the the first time a race participant Formula E driver will jump back to Formula One. I, I think we'll probably see that. Uh, not not a flood of it, but an increasing amount over the next decade Why? or so. Because I just think that those formulas will start to merge as the technology increases.
2: Mm, that's assuming that two of them are left.
1: Oh. Well there you go. Well then that's the ultimate merge then, isn't it?
2: Well, not really, because one will disappear completely. But um, you know, I I I think you've got to have commercially viable championships. And until we've worked out exactly how you're going to build uh well, there's no problem building enough electric cars. Lots of companies are building electric cars. The question is who they're gonna buy, who's gonna buy them? And that may be the biggest problem we have, because a whole load of companies have bet their farms on lots of people buying electric cars. But they're still expensive. They're still short of range. And they're still what's the third thing? Uh, uh, uh. Um, Expensive, short of range. Oh, yes. And they're worried about even if they've got um, charging stations on a map, it doesn't mean they're working, does it?
1: All right. Uh, I'll save time by just saying I disagree with nearly everything you say about electric cars all the time.
2: You may do, but there's an awful lot of industry experts who don't, and who say that the the company is uh, sorry that the industry is jumping too early, and some of the big car companies are going to die because as a result of it, because Mm. the world's not
1: ready for electric cars yet. And people said you wouldn't be able to jump on trains because at thirty miles an hour the air would get sucked out and you'd suffocate. No,
2: but it's not. There's actually some logic behind (laughs) it. It's not just silliness. This is. (laughs) This is, there's 550 models of electric car on the market next year. And a very small percentage
1: is buying them. I'm going to buy one just to spite you. Okay. That's fine. I can't afford it. It's more money because they're very expensive. (laughs) Uh, Do you not think being a local weekend radio hack pays enough money for an electric car? You can go wandering into the local garage and say,
2: Hi, I'm Spanner. Haven't you ever heard of me? And they'll go, no, next.
1: Uh, Right. (laughs) Okay, Okay. well, that's my ego sufficiently bruised. You
2: never know. You never know. It might work. I doubt if I walked in somewhere and said, hello, I'm a Formula One reporter. Do you want to give me a car? I don't think anyone would do it.
1: It might work. Jenny Gow got given an electric car. Really? Yeah. That means she's better than you. So let's go back to F1. I don't know. I haven't
2: seen Jenny Gow for such a long time. I've forgotten. (laughs) Is she in Formula One?
1: Are we going to be seeing uh, Nick DeFries said, does that mean that Doralton, Doralton, are, are they coming with wedge are they coming with an, with enough money to mean we're not going to see a return to just no offense to Latifi billionaires kids and people bringing massive sponsorships
2: well they have got loads of money they We have. don't know necessarily who the money is from but we know they've got loads of it because they spent far too much money on buying the team and they've poured in a load of money since then um and yeah, maybe maybe they are just a private equity mob who will flip it, having you know, having given it a brush over and, and put some new people in place, signed a couple of contracts with drivers, they might flip it and sell it for twice the money. That's what private equity people do, but they might then keep it and you know, build it up more. Um, but th- there's an equation somewhere as to at what point pouring in loads of money um, gets you a return on investment. Because if you look at, for example, Sauber, they've... They've um, poured in loads of money, um, increased the number of staff, and now they've got a situation where they're getting exactly the same, effectively the same, because they haven't gone up the badging order. Okay. You like. well, well, I'm happy. So you, you've on, invested sorry. a vast amount of money, but your return on your investment hasn't come through. So, therefore, the value of your company is not increasing. So, if you're a private equity um, bloke, you say, what are they doing? So, I don't know what's going to happen with Dalton, because we don't really know who Dalton is. Um, but we know we know that they've got money, we know that they're spending money and we know that they're into private equity, so they might just flog it. But it, it might also just put it on the market and see what anyone wants to pay for it. That's the other possibility.
1: Oh, some interesting comments in the in the chat room there. I will just say I'm a big fan of Jenny Gow and all the BBC chequered flag team, by the Nothing way. Nothing
2: wrong with that, but I'm, su- I'm just saying I haven't seen any of them because they, they haven't come to any races for two years.
1: They've been in our ears, through. our minds and our hearts, Joe. That's where they've been.
2: Well, jolly good. Right. Maybe, maybe if they went to races, they might have better things to say.
1: Uh, <laughs> apologies for the mispronunciation, but uh, Kashdep Singh says, uh, "Is is Kvyat not in the running for Williams if we've got proper drivers?" going Yeah, there's sing.
2: a possibility that Kvyat is could there. Get that. Yeah, well, he's he's got nowhere else to go. He's not much point in him sticking around at Alpine. Um, so I've heard his name mentioned as possible, but uh, I don't see him being picked up by Mercedes um, as being a junior. And I think they need to have a junior. Um, you know, and ultimately they're the engine partner of the Williams team. So it's a logical thing for them to keep the arrangement that they have at the moment rather than picking up somebody who's had uh, a run in top teams. Okay. And I mean, you know, Daniel is a good driver, no question about it, but he's had chances and it didn't work. Now, um, you know, maybe he can do a, a Pierre Gasly and, and come back. But it's more likely he'll end up doing a John Eric Van and going off to be a champ somewhere else.
1: Excellent. All right, well, let's move on with the silly season. I I wasn't planning to do this at all, go down the silly season path. But it's fun because I think last year everything felt a little bit more locked up, didn't it? Um, New Mitch in our Patreon Slack group uh, says, do you have any thoughts on Gasly after this season, Joe?
2: Are you staying where he is? Doesn't it feel like a bit of a dead end? He has a contract. It may be a good end, but he has a contract. And the other thing is there's no openings for him in the future
1: at the moment. So he needs to wait around a bit more to see what else comes up. Such a shame because his reputation seems to have taken a real knock after Red Bull. And then after the fact, he's become very much a fan favourite. People seem to be cheering him on. But does the industry, like at management level, are people rating him? If, if If a spot happened to come up?
2: I think they rate him, but... Uh, there is still the question of what happened when he went to to Red Bull. I mean, there's there's he didn't click and it all went horribly wrong. And and you can look at it and say that was his chance. It's the same with Albon, you know. Yeah. They're they they're all looking at the drivers and saying, well, why didn't they click? And there's different reasons. Obviously, you know, going up against Max is tough for anybody going up against, it's the same as going up against Lewis, you know. You're talking about throwing yourself onto someone's bonfire. Now, if you can beat him, you become the megastar. But if you can't, because you're new and they've got 10 yeah. years experience or whatever, it's tough. So what happens to them? We have to wait and see. I don't know what will happen with Pierre, but I can't see him having much of a future in Red Bull beyond um, the current
1: era. Yeah. I think with these guys, I mean, this is the pinnacle of motorsport. So you've got to ask yourself if you had one shot, one opportunity to see, seize everything you've ever wanted, would you capture it or just let it slip away?
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's not even in your control. But, um, you know, we've seen a string of drivers going into these into the Red Bull team um, and leaving one by one, uh, whether by choice or otherwise. Mm. I mean, it, you can look at Daniel Ricciardo and say, well, Daniel was great, and then he got, then he got sort of done by Max, and, uh, and he then decided to, to jump rather than get done by Max Moore.
1: I've got a Dan Ricardo question, if that's all right with you, Joe. And it is from ahead. Yeah. Christopher Fonseca at Reserve Driver on, on Twitter, who bothers our comment of the week scoreboards very often. And he says, what is it about the McLaren that Danny Rick is struggling with? And what should he be doing to catch up? I think you'd probably
2: have to bring that one up and tell Danny Rick, because he doesn't know what the thing is. He doesn't know why he can't um, qualify it. Um, there's no question. Part of the problem is that uh, Lando is very good. Um, Lando's better than people gave him credit for, I think. And we've seen that. Lando's been mighty this year. He doesn't make many mistakes. He's in the points pretty mm. much. I think he's been in the points every single time, hasn't he? He might have missed I think one. He's the only one, one.
1: but yeah. Oh, Has he been in every one, has he?
2: Oh, in the oh, points.
1: I think so, yeah. I
2: think he's been in the points every I mean, he's certainly doing well in the World Championship.
1: Well, I think it's better than that. If you look at the amount of times he's been in the top five, I think that statistic's more impressive. It's something like only two races he's not been in the top five, which is incredible, yeah. really, when you look at the cars that are ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, he's,
2: well, but ultimately, if Lando's the best of the rest, he should be fifth every race, shouldn't he?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, with his qualifying performances, he's going to prove to be just a pain in the butt for Perez, I think, all season.
2: Yeah, no, that's true because Perez is, is not a great qualifier. So uh, the other one is Leclerc, who's also a great cauliflower and, uh, cauliflower, just a cauliflower qualifier. And yeah, cauliflower, I just
1: said cauliflower. He's a great
2: cauliflower. Um, he's, you know, because he can also uh, really turn on these sort of magical moments. You think, whoa, where did that come from? Um, and, uh, so there's a couple of them and that midfield is so tight. Yeah. That, um, you know, it is, I I think P5, we're going to see a whole list of different drivers in P5, um, qualifying wise, at least all year. Oh, you mentioned Leclerc and we
1: disagree. We disagree. Leclerc, right. I don't think there's any way on earth he should have been driver of the day. You can't give driver of the day to a driver who stuffs it and sort of makes up for it a bit through the race. I didn't say you can, but it's voted by the
2: public. What am I supposed to do?
1: You You know,
2: that's what the public think, because he overtook lots of people on the way back up. You said he had a great race. He did have a great race. No, he didn't. He he binned it into
1: about eight. He hit
2: everyone. Yes, but he then came back after hitting everybody, overtaking (laughs) lots of people and and getting people to cheer him along. So, you know, that's a bad race for a couple of laps and a good race for the rest of the afternoon. On the
1: pit stop, he nudged the safety car on the way out as well. It wasn't shown on TV, I'm just assuming. I have no idea if he nudged. I didn't see it. So, um, elephant. No, that's it, a joke. Um, elephant in the room then the Mercedes and the upgrades. Uh, PD Jenkins, he said on Twitter, um, the Merck upgrade thing. Was it a case of Mercedes thinking, well, we've just got this at the start of the season, so they wouldn't need to upgrade now? And now they've suddenly gone, oh, blimey, maybe we do need some updates. And of course, uh, oh, I've forgotten the engineer that went on a different podcast this morning James was a- Allison. I think so. Went on F1 Nation and said, oh, yes, actually, it was, we, Jane, it was yeah. James Allison. He said, yeah, <laughs> we do have a bunch of upgrades, actually, including power unit ones. So uh, here's the phrase that unnerved me. They said something like, so hopefully that should be satisfactory. And I went, that's a quietly confident statement. Yeah, that should suffice.
0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit
2: jdpower.com/awards, only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. Well, I you know, I'm I'd be surprised if we didn't see some kind of reaction because they want to win the championship again. There's no question about it. Okay, right now, they're they're in trouble because um Obviously, Red Bull has got some more straight-line speed than they do, and it makes life very difficult for them. Um, and the question is, why? Now, everyone's assuming... Whoops, moving the, moving the thing around. Um, everyone's assuming that they've got more straight-line speed because of the engine or because of the famous wobbly wings, which amounted to an absolute pile of nothing, didn't
1: it? Yeah, big nothing and, burger. Uh,
2: but it, no, it's a very good example of, of why we shouldn't go yapping around after Twitter um, hysteria, um, because Twitter hysteria doesn't always get it right. The wobbly wings, everything changed, nothing really changed. So, um, you know, it's just silly, the whole thing. Um, is it down to power? Is it down to aerodynamic settings? Is it down to the fact that the Red Bull's got more mechanical grip, so it, in the corners it's better and therefore needs less wing on it? You know, there's all kinds of different questions. And lots of people are, are annoying Red Bull by assuming it's just the engine and that the Honda mm. is you know um, way ahead. I don't think the Honda is way ahead. There's lots of different elements to it. I think there's a fuel element in there. I think there's definitely a mechanical grip element in there um, uh, but the overall The overall result of it is that right now they're ahead now Mercedes can pull that back. Mercedes is a big enough team to have people working on both. 2021 and 2022. Let's not let's, let's not pretend otherwise. Um, you know they don't have to focus mm. every single burst on 2022. They've got enough
1: good people. But Toto said, "That's it. We're done with upgrades. We're done." And then he broke it down. No, no. Well, yeah,
2: maybe maybe he, they're done with big upgrades, but maybe they're not done with little upgrades. You know, this is the kind. I mean, it was a strange statement that Toto came up with, and it may be yeah. you know, lost in translation thing. Uh, whereas James sort of said, you know, we've got a load of upgrades coming. So, you know, who do you believe? Now, I don't believe either of them's going to tell lies. So it's, it's, you know. It's one or the other. You know, it's not one or the other. It's it's there's, there's a there's a mismatch here somewhere of the of yeah. terminology.
1: I, I think it might be from the management process. So as a top level manager, he's already seen that money go out, and the engineers allocate the time, and it's out and it's gone and it's budgeted. Whereas they haven't actually been fitted to the car. So as far as he's thinking, he's thinking, well, we've paid and developed all our upgrades, and that's it. That's us done.
2: Yeah, I suppose it could be that. But Toyota is quite um, attuned to that level too. So um, okay. I think probably he he was sort of answering a question about are we going to see any major upgrades as opposed to small ones. So yeah. we'll see. I think we'll see them getting better, and, and some tracks are better than others. You know, obviously we'll we'll see we'll see the ebbing and flowing of the contest, um, in in different ways in different places.
1: I heard the best conspiracy theory ever. Do you, you're oh up for, God! Oh come on, are you up for a conspiracy? Come on, you must be Joe.
2: Well, you can throw me one, I'll tell you. I might, I might tell you it's rubbish, but go Okay, on. but
1: you've got to let me get uh, through it, because it was from, uh, oh, who was it from? I think it was from Ivan, um, oh, it was from Ewan CX. He put it in our Facebook and Twitter, all of which you can join, at Missed Apex F1 or Missed Apex Podcast on Twitter. He said that, uh, okay, this is based on the fact that Red Bull have done some reliability, which means they can push their engine further. They used George Russell's Mercedes power unit, to ramp it up higher in a similar way to what Red Bull have done to see how far they could push him. That's why he was running up in eighth place and that's why ultimately the engine failed.
2: Well, that's an interesting theory. I love it. Don't you love it? Well, no, not really. I mean, if you look at last year, you can say that Honda were using Pierre Gasly uh, to blow up engines. Were they? In the second half of the season so they could make more progress. Once they'd made the decision to quit... Honda then the Honda engineers then had nothing to lose; they couldn't lose their jobs because they were losing him anyway. So it, basically, it was just like right. Well, let's throw everything at him, put it on Gasly's car because he's not fighting for the championship. And then if it works, we'll use it for next year. So I think um, you know you can see it both ways. Are they are they throwing stuff uh, onto George's car? Maybe, maybe, definitely.
1: Sorry, did you say definitely? I couldn't hear.
2: Well, you're not. You're not allowed to change that much. That's the problem. <laughs> but they could crank it where? up,
1: and they could. Yes, risk you could crank
2: it up a little bit higher, and, and see you can how it play goes. around with mm. certain elements to it. But you know, there's yeah, it's possible. Who knows? And that's why a, the actual failure on George's car was something to do with the pneumatic.
1: Yeah, that's what they tell um, you. That's part of the conspiracy. Well, no, no,
2: you can see it was pneumatic because there's a bloke sticking an air hose into it, which delayed the pit stop. It was quite. <laughs> it wasn't subtle. You know,
1: all part of the act. And, and that's why Russell wasn't <laughs> devastated afterwards because he knew he knew the risks, and he and he said, "Next weekend we get to try again." Code for try the experiment again. I love it. Awesome. Um, let's move on. Oh, this is hang a good on, question. Hang on, hang on, oh. hang
2: on. If you were going to waste the driver, why not waste Latifi?
1: Because uh, you get a more indicative performance from Russell. Okay. There we go. I've got I've got it all covered. That's definitely what's happening. Uh, oh, this is uh, Chris again. Are there any early indicators regarding who could do well in 2022? No, none. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it seems are oh, like you know there's there's chassis in the wind tunnel.
2: Yes, there's chassis in the wind tunnel, but they don't run around telling us and handing out the results, do they? Um, what we know for certain is that the engines uh, will be largely the same. So. um the engine makers get one more chance to fix it and they can only do certain things before the start of next year. So I think after three races next year, we'll have a very good indication of who's where. And that will not just be for a year. It'll be for a a period after that as well. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, what is more interesting now, and we're beginning to get into that phase is, is what the rules are going to be for 2025. And there's a big meeting coming up, uh, I think in Austria later this week or yes, it's probably later this week. Um, and I know that Porsche will have a man there and I hear that Audi will have a man there. Well, I bumped oh, into hello. the head of Porsche motorsport in the, in the paddock the other day. Oh, hello. What did he say? I said, hello, Fritz. And he said, hello, how are you doing?
0: Um, oh, we didn't address you by name. That's he was a snub. Formula
2: one engineer mm. many years ago with BMW. Uh, no, he didn't. Mm. But, um, he recognises the face, I suppose. I, suppose. I, don't, I have no idea if he knows my name okay. or not. I don't care. And, and is, yeah, is there now. any
1: real legs to that? They're willing to pay the £800 million pounds entry fee to, for a new team? Why would they be a new team necessarily if they're just an engine supplier? Oh, I see. Sorry, I missed that bit. So who are they going to supply to?
2: Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's so difficult to build look, an engine. Look, 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 they're going to a meeting. To decide what the rules are going to be, to discuss what the rules are going to be, <sighs> that doesn't mean they're coming in, going to buy a team, going to hire a thousand people after winning them all.
1: You know that it, was an uncomfortable laugh. You're I think you know. Ahead. No, you're no, you know more. You definitely no, I don't know, know more. You more. No, more. know more.
2: because <laughs> <laughs> I see Fritz Hensinger every year at the Austrian Grand Prix because he's a holiday home nearby. You wouldn't. That was the,
1: <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't tell me first. You would put it in your industry newsletter, which is called
2: jsbm
1: yes joe saywood business business
2: of motorsport
1: nice and you can subscribe to that people can go buy that but it's super expensive i can't it's afford super it super good value i can't afford that if only i got a discount no no that's life isn't it however you You're, you've
2: got to save your money for buying electric cars anyway
1: you did gift me is that because right? i would say that you gave me something is that okay
2: Uh, yeah, if you want to be corrupted,
1: yeah. You gave me, and this is the only reason I ever say that Joe is is fine, is because (laughs) uh, he gave me a free subscription to his uh, excellent uh, GP Plus magazine, which is what brings you to the Grand Prix circuits. You produce a full, uh, detailed race review with tons of features uh, and analysis just six hours after the race, and you get an actual proper like PDF thing that is, I think those things would stand the test of time if he looks back on it more than say, just a a, a journal's blog post
2: yeah I agree, and and you can buy the whole lot for fifty nine ninety nine you can buy three hundred and thirty whatever it is, three hundred and three editions, yeah
1: awesome, excellent, and of course In fact, you can, that's yeah.
2: not true because you, you'll get this year's as well, so you, you'll actually be able to buy three hundred and twenty whatever it is three hundred twenty five by the end of the year, I suppose
1: and tell you what there's some people saying they would subscribe or buy your newsletter if there was a map referral code and discount just I'm just saying Joe, just business, it's just business that's all.
2: Yeah, well, everybody right. always wants a discount. It's cheaper than chips as it is.
1: Okay, fair enough. And also check out Joe's excellent blog. I think it is the, the best bit of journalism in F1, Joe. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. Your green notebook where you talk about your your travels around the world and not only you know what happened at the race and what's going to happen, but just a slice of life as a journalist on the road. Yeah, you just
2: reminded me I've got to write one for last weekend.
1: Uh. Yeah, not many things to do. I've got mountains to look at, you know. Not so punctual, but it's good once he bothers. Uh, Let's talk about uh, the (laughs) calendar, race calendar. Martin Feller kicks off with this. He says, does Joe have any info on which coming races are at risk of being cancelled and which venues might line up to replace them? Of course, the news is that we've lost Singapore and we're going to get Turkey instead. And I got a whisper that we're losing Australia. And if we do, that's going to be replaced with another quota. Yeah.
2: That, it all makes sense. Does that so sound cool. accurate? Well, that's partly accurate, yeah. I think basically it's fair to say that after Turkey, we don't have a blind clue what's going on because in theory, there's a triple header, which is now Turkey, um, sorry, Russia, Turkey, Japan, which oh, is going to be, it's going to hell. wipe out the crews. Yeah. That's going to kill the crews. And so you? Everybody, are. Yeah, it's not going to be easy, but everybody wants Japan not there. Um, everybody in Japan wants Japan not there. Um, they cancelled the Moto GP the other day, um, which is at mm. Motegi. But the thing to know about Motegi and Suzuke, Suzuka, rather, is that they are owned by the same company, which is a Honda division called Mobility Land. And so if they've cancelled one and the other one a week later, they're not cancelling it as yet. I think it's probably fair to say they may cancel it. Um, the Japanese population don't want the Olympic Games to happen, it's very clear. The government's stuck. They have to have it happen unless they close the borders, in which case they get sued by the IOC. So there's lots of stuff going on. Um, but I think there's a strong possibility that Japan will drop out. If Japan drops out, they can re, uh, rejig the uh, American races. Mm. Um, and Brazil is is... Uh, very uh, unpopular idea in Formula One circles because although there's a new promoter, yeah, um, it, people are very worried because it's not only is it uh, a huge um, COVID disaster zone, but it's also not the right image that Formula One wants to be going into a huge COVID disaster zone playing sport at a time when um, things are nasty. And the other point, which we have to bear in mind, and I think this this applies to a number of races, that is it's on the red zone. Sorry, it's on the red list in yeah. Britain. And anything on the red list in Britain, you can kiss it goodbye right now because the teams can't go home without going to a government hotel. If something's on a red list, every team member's got to go 14 days in a government hotel, it ain't going to happen. I can tell you that for free. So basically anything on the red list until they come off the red list, so that's Abu Dhabi's on the red list, Bahrain's on the red list, I and mean, mm. we've had Bahrain already, but we might have another one. It's possible. Uh, Brazil's on the red list. Um, I'm not sure who else is now because it changes all. There's 52 countries on the red list. Yeah. Uh, and Britain, by the way, is also, um, you know, I hate to mention it, but the numbers are going up in Britain as well, quite dramatic fashion. Yep. Uh, and the idea of having the British Grand Prix without any... Um, uh, curb on spectators seems a little bit bizarre, but there's lots of arguments in favour of it. Money, um, well, mainly money. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we'll have to see how things develop, and that's the way that the Formula One Group is looking at it. I think they'd like to do Mexico, although you know Mexico is a bit of a hot spot too, but it's calmed down now. Mexico and two Austins would be perfect because you basically. Australia, you can forget it. You know, if, if if somebody sneezes, they close down a state. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they want to Formula One to guarantee there wouldn't be a single case. We can't do that. And if we can't do that, one thing Formula One is not going to do is turn up in Melbourne and get cancelled. Because we've done that already. It was very painful financially and politically speaking. So unless they get the go ahead to go there and they're allowed to have occasional cases, if there are some, um, Australia can just... Go fly
1: a kite. Interesting. I was speaking to our video producer Steve Amy, who produces all this wonderful stuff. You should go and check it out on YouTube, even if you're a podcast listener. He said, that, "He goes, oh, uh, we're in a three-day lockdown." So like, what are you on about three-day lockdown? He goes, "Well, when we've got a case, they just lock everything down for three days, do all the test and trace, try and locate everyone who." And I was like, "Blimey!" That is, yeah. that is some but, efficient yeah, They're in a panic testing. at
2: the moment because they're, they're up to about 150 cases around the Sydney area.
1: Oh, blimey. All right, well.
2: And, and Brisbane has shut down because of a case and, was it, Northern Territories? I mean, basically it's all, everyone's hypersensitive and hyper-overreactive there. Um, mm. And it's great at the moment, it looks terrific, but eventually it's either going to go wild down there, which will be just like everywhere else in the world, or... Uh they have to quarantine they have to vaccinate everybody and they're a long way behind on any kind of vaccination. So at the moment they're just blocking everybody from going in and out. Um and that will block the Grand Prix. So okay. you know, we're not we're not going to we're not going to go in there on the basis that we could just end up going home again with nothing.
1: Okay. Um it's uh, is it surprising that Silverstone too isn't slated as a kind of obvious standby? They've done it before.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. They're not—they're
2: not giving races away this year, right. For free. Last year they were giving away free races, just to get to the, a number that would lock in other contracts. This year, if you want a race, you have got to pay for it. So, and you have got to pay normal rates. And, uh, um, you know, maybe there's a deal for Silverstone, and maybe there was a deal for France. I don't know, but you know, because those places can't survive mm. um, at part uh you know park part, part sized crowds so we'll see i don't know but Excellent. um fundamentally um i think that it's almost impossible for us to have a calendar at the moment and you know i can't i can't guess at it because the people making the decisions can't guess at it yet
1: it didn't matter last season i think everyone had a feeling that mercedes were going to stretch away the number of races is going to matter deeply this season i think between in well on both championship fronts
2: maybe maybe um you can also argue, perhaps, that the new sprint concept um, could even be, be a, something that will impact the World Championship. There's a thought for you, too. Why are sprint, we doing that again? It's a good idea.
1: You think it's a good idea? Yes, I do. Okay. Explain why you're wrong. No, I'll explain why you're wrong. <laughs> okay, um, got <laughs> it.
2: It's It gives action on three days as opposed to having action on two days, which means that... And they will push the they will push the qualifying session on the first day, Fridays, back as late as they can go in each occasion so that people can not be at work when it's happened. so you get action on three days that's good for race promoters and TV companies they're the two major sources of revenue of Formula One uh, It's good for the new generation of fans who drive to survive has created um, which Mm. research indicates that they don't have as big an attention span at the moment as, as the um, older generations used to an hour and a half long race. So if you give them a shorter race, they might all get very excited and be willing to watch hour and a half races later. So as far as I'm concerned, the only thing I don't like about it is the fact that they, that they give points for it, um, which shouldn't really necessarily be the case, but it's yeah. not a lot of points all right. and it won't, Logically, it shouldn't impact the world championship Okay, and it will set the grid. So it's not reversing grids, which is a truly horrible idea. Um, I'm, an, I'm a traditionalist and I'm willing to... The other thing about the sprint is it's only set for this year. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't look good, they won't continue with it. So okay. it's just a, it's a, it's a test and it's an interesting test. And I think we should do stuff like that. Fair enough. Just for balance,
1: I just want to say that the sprint races are stupid and we don't need them. OK, OK.
2: Well, I just wanted to put an
1: intelligent I shall, I shall.
2: I shall pass that on to, to Ross Braun. I'm yeah, sure yeah. Be happy to hear it. you. Totally. Um, but it's actually some, some clever people have put a lot of work into okay. the idea. And if it doesn't work or it's not popular, they will axe it. So it's uh, to be honest, it's better than doing what Formula One used to do and in, imposing a, a qualifying um, thing that clearly wasn't going to work and didn't work.
1: OK, well, you tell him I said, oi, Braun, no, 90s reference there. Another yes. question from Matthew Turner. Oh, you got that reference? I've slipped another couple. of No, by I didn't you. get
2: it because I've been living in France for so long. We don't have that on television, but I've heard other people say that.
1: Oh, I so. see. Matthew Turner, he's probably definitely seen that programme um, on Twitter, says, uh, why does Kimi qualify really badly but race really strongly? Does age hamper one lap ultimate pace? What do the team think about him? Kimi. They looked all right what, this weekend. What does it matter? Oh. No, they're, what, not
2: gonna, they're not going to win anything at all this year. <laughs> it's a waste of time and energy. Kimmy will retire at the end of it. Really? And, um, well, yeah. Was he said? No. Well, how do you know? I didn't say he was going to retire from choice.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs> I'm just, you know, it doesn't make an all... Everything is wrong at the moment. and And that team needs to go through a lot of changes and a lot of revamps and i don't see how um kimmy's going to be part of it in the future it just doesn't make any sense to me but you know who knows when when a team is owned by a billionaire who has his own views that's up to him isn't it it's his money he's burning who, who owns it mr rousing
1: oh okay he, i don't know anything he makes, about him he
2: makes boxes
1: oh yes you do no i don't
2: milk cartons every milk carton you're giving some money to mr rousing
1: oh, oh yes of course Petra my, pack. my my Petra famous pack. milk carton knowledge coming coming to the forefront. No, I didn't, I haven't heard anything about him. So it's a box He's one of the richest men in the world. Oh, right. Okay. And he so owns- every year, every year he gets given
2: dividends from the various companies, considerable amounts of money which, with which he can do as he pleases. And, you know, when you've got, I don't know what his dividends would be in a year, but 500 million might be around about the number. So if you've got 500 million a year to spend, you can buy electric cars and stuff like that, you know. Um, you can buy islands and you can buy supermarkets and you can buy flowers and you can buy all kinds of stuff, okay. can you?
1: But does he have ambition for the team?
2: Well, why would he buy it if he didn't have ambition? He's not entirely bonkers, I don't think. Just so um, they can
1: have a box, have somewhere good to watch the race from?
2: It's quite an expensive way of getting mm. a box. You can just buy one oh, okay. at normal rates. <laughs> okay, so so what is the
1: way that Alfa Romeo become awesome, amazing? And-
2: well, um, making the right decisions, I suppose. Okay. And they have another problem, which is they're based in Switzerland, which is a big problem with the, cap, with the budget cap. Because they, Swiss salaries, I don't know if you've been on holiday recently in Switzerland, but I if you go not. to Switzerland, everything costs twice as much as everywhere else. You cross the border and all the prices go up. That's because the average salary in Switzerland is $125,000. The average. average. Yes. Ooh, that's all finance, isn't it, I guess? I don't, I don't know yeah. what it is, but I'm telling you, oh. it's quite shocking when you see that. It's like sort of, oh, okay, wow, that's a big bill they've got at Sauber. Their their salary bill is bigger than
1: any other one in Formula One, I should think. You said Sauber, are they unlikely to continue being called Alfa Romeo then?
2: Uh, Depends how much money they want from Alfa Romeo, I suppose. And it also depends whether Alfa Romeo want to be an electric car company, which is one of the things they've said they want to be. Or they want to be involved with hybrids. So... If they're going fully electric, I can't see any logic at all in being in Formula One. They should rush off to Formula E and battle it out with all that lot. Trouble is, nobody watches Formula E apart from you. Um, in, in terms of the viewing numbers, they're rather small. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense. But but staying in Formula One, if you're only building electric cars, makes no sense either. So um, it's it's a kind of a, an interesting thing. but. The other the other question is how much money it costs them because if it's peanuts to get the whole car dressed up an Alfa Romeo, um, and it, what is peanuts for a car company? Uh, uh, if it's cheap enough, you might as well do it. Doesn't okay. have to have logic. Fair enough. You know. Well, we have look look at look at it now. We we don't have much logic in an Alfa Romeo Ferrari, do we?
1: No, you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Now that makes sense. All right, cool. I'll tell you what, we've got a little bit of time. Uh, There's two questions hanging around. Maybe we could uh, do these two relatively quickly. Uh, One on beef and one on uh, pit stops. Yeah, beef. It's a term, you know, like you and me, we have beef over electric cars. There's an ongoing beef.
2: I'm not cool enough to know this stuff.
1: Okay, so if Phil I've just Francis... Got a, I've got as
2: far as woke, I can't do beef as
1: well. If know. Phil Francis... You don't understand woke, Jack. Uh, if Phil Francis says, do you think there is a real beef between Lewis and Max playing mind games or is it just the media spinning it for a story? Do they seem to have... This isn't... I don't think
2: this they is going to be... seem to be very happy with each other. And yeah. Very, and very... Uh, I get the impression they're very respectful of one another. You look at... I've seen a couple of photographs of lewis looking at max with what only can be described as respect in his eyes and i think that they're two guys who are, know that they're the best and they know they're fighting you know a fantastic they're high level and i think they respect each other now if they collide a few times maybe that respect will get a bit dented but right now i see nothing but um respect and you know you're always going to get a few newspapers trying to spin
1: some stuff no. I know. I I was saying after they
2: finished all the football stuff, because in a while, the world will forget about football again, and we'll go back to normal.
1: I I was saying on a previous show, Max has been a bit disappointing. Really, I was hoping he was sort of going to be the big bad in Formula One, but he seems perfectly pleasant. Red Bull are a really nice team as well. All, All the guys up front are just like perfectly nice.
2: Well, sort of, yeah. Oh, who's not?
1: Who's not nice? Who's not nice, Joe? Well,
2: let's just, let's just say that um, <laughs> over the weekend, there was a big announcement made by uh, Red Bull actually made the announcement about Dan Fallows, their chief aerodynamicist for years oh, yeah. and years, who is leaving to join Aston Martin. Now, that is a fairly big story.
0: Mm.
2: And I was on that one, and I went to see Christian Horner, and I said, come on, Christian, I know, I know one of your boys is going to Aston Martin. I think I know which one it is. Can you at least you know, give me a steer on it? And his answer to that is, no comment.
1: Fair, fine.
2: And then half an hour later, he put out a press release announcing Dan Fallows. Now, that annoyed me because I had a little scoop going on there. But it was my (laughs) own fault because what I'd done was I had alerted them to the fact that the media was very close to finding out
1: Ah, who it
2: was. And they didn't want, quite rightly so, to be fair to him, he didn't want the team finding out in the press that their chief arrow was going to Aston Martin. So, I ended up shooting myself in the foot by trying to play by the rules. What I should have done um, was (laughs) just just announce it uh, and then and then take the grief afterwards. But um, I decided, no, I'll try and get I'll try and get some confirmation of it. And consequently, I I screwed my own story. (laughs) And I had a bad day that day because I also wandered up to the FIA, the FOM media man, and I said when do you reckon we'll get a press release about Turkey? And he looked at me and he went, a minute ago. Oh! And I went... Oh, were you, sit- were you sitting on that one, were you? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I had that one too. Ah, oh,
1: um, shame. But
2: then I did get the Russian one, which was good. So I, I did break that one. I always by do about, wonder about By about that. half an hour, I, I managed to get there. So um, it's just, that's the rules of the game nowadays. Mm-hmm. Things move so quickly that in order to get a scoop, you've got to be, um, you've got to be flight- Flying quickly,
1: and you have to judge whether landing that scoop is worth the grief that it will it will get as well.
2: No, that's always been the same.
1: Yeah, interesting.
2: And, and uh, no, the only grief you get really is when you get it wrong. Fair enough. So, no, no. Why would you get grief if you get it right? The answer is it's a bit like people who don't like what you write. If there's if the, if it's factually correct, they have no right. To, unless they want to tell lies, they have no right to be upset with you because all you've done is found out the truth. Now, you might be, your interpretation of the truth may not agree with their interpretation of the truth, but, you know, that's the way of the world. So, um, and that's why it's always best to talk to the media as opposed to not talk to them (laughs) because that way you can at least try to mitigate um, what happens. But the less intelligent members of the um, Formula One community haven't figured that one out yet. So,
1: who are they? Who are those less intelligent people? Let's do a list.
2: No, instead of doing a list, no, tell- I'm not going to do that, so because I've already upset enough people
1: in what, my time. Why? Why is that staff transfer big news? You said it was big news.
2: Well, because Dan Fallows is the, one of the major reasons that Red Bull has been so successful for the last um, since 2014. Okay, he took over, and now they haven't won the world championships because Mercedes have been better. But you know, there was a huge fight over him in 2014. You may recall, um, McLaren wanted him. And uh, the other thing is, it says to the world, uh, Aston Martin has basically laid laid a, uh, a mark in the sand and said, we're serious, look. So if you're a, a clever engineer in Formula One looking for a job in the future, and you see Dan Fallows has been hired, along with Luca Fabato, by the way, the other big hire they've had, uh, who was the Alfa Romeo chief designer who's gone to Aston Martin, You would say, ah, look at this. They're building a new factory. They've just hired Dan Fallows and Luca for Bartow. This is a serious team. So if they come to me or I go to them, I'm not sort of going to some noddy team. Mm -hmm. So what it does is it it puts a mark in in the sand and all the good blokes will now consider it, whereas in the past perhaps they wouldn't. So these things are very significant. They may not appear significant from the outside. But changing the, the views of the world, of, or of the Formula One world, about a team is quite important.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Joe. We are out of time. Someone was asking if there's going to be a fascinating facts number three book from you. Joe. There is. There, there is. is
2: re- oh, well, sorry. Uh, there's a three and a four. I just haven't published them yet.
0: Oh, I see. haven't had
2: time. Um, they are they are ready to go. Um, but I think I'll probably save them for Christmas. You know. Yeah, so. they're
1: good. They're good. They're great toilet books. You put them by the side there, and every time you've got a few minutes to to kill, you just read another story from the fascinating facts. It's great coffee table books. I said coffee table, right?
2: No, you said loo, but I I don't mind that. As long as people buy them, I don't care. If they they read them in the loo or in the (laughs) the coffee table, sitting on coffee tables is always a rather bizarre experience, I think.
1: Fair enough. Search for Joe Saywood F1. You will find his blog, GP Plus Magazine. You can subscribe to his newsletter. And on Twitter, he's at Joe Saywood F1. Joe Saywood, thank you very much for your time.
2: It was a pleasure. It's a little bit sweaty here, though. I'm feeling rather sort of...
1: Yeah, that's OK. You got through it. We got through it together. Actually, I'm boiling hot in my shed as well. So this is a good time to get out of here. If you want to follow <laughs> the show on Twitter, it's at Mist Apex F1. We're on Facebook, we're on uh, Instagram and we're also on TikTok as well, experimenting with some short form videos too. You can follow me as well at Spanners Ready on Twitter and I'm Richard Ready on Facebook. We'll see you back here next Sunday, this coming Sunday at 8pm UK time, for the Austrian Grand Prix review. Until then, all I ask is that you work hard, be kind and have fun. This was Inside F1 with Joe and me. I would call that a roasting success, Joe.
2: I hope so. Yeah, it was all right. Only good, yeah, there were a few little um, gems in
1: there. Yeah, despite your best efforts to curtail it and make it a... we should we should form our own news network. Where we just yell at each other about social issues. <laughs> and you can be like, no one should get justice for everything. Everyone, we should just no no no. There should be justice for everybody. No, I you don't. You want the Hunger Games and uh, only the strong survive. That's what you
2: want. What, no. I, what I connect to is when it goes too far the other way, and there's no chance of. A, of, a, of a...